I think what I'm saying is as you're on your journey and as you're growing, as you're learning more, not everything happens the way you think it's going to happen. And so if you try and control it too much, I think maybe that feeling lost hits harder. Welcome back to In Residence. I'm Keith. And I'm Laura. Hey, Laura. Hey, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. What have you been up to? Not actually all that much, but sometimes that's okay, right? So I have been working and being home. <laughs> uh, we went to parent-teacher conferences. That was fun. Yeah, that was a highlight for me. Yeah? That was a lot of fun, yeah, because we get to hear how child one's doing in school, so that's always great. Well, well, affirmation, right, <laughs> as a parent. I made you go to his English teacher last. I said, we're, we're going to go to her last. Yeah. Because then we can talk to her longer. <laughs> I really enjoy talking with her and spending some time. Uh, she's, she's a lot of fun. And she actually has, has a conversation with us after we talk about the kid for a little bit. And then it's mm-hmm. more like we just get to hang out and have a conversation. So I really enjoyed that. It was fun. So what do you want to talk about this week? I was listening to Tim Ferriss' podcast number 719 with Greg McEwen, author of Essentialism and Effortless. And I sent you the link and I'm like, you should listen to this. It's good. And I did. And so it's on my mind. Uh, Things that came to mind while I was listening to it. What did I say to you? The biggest thing that came up for me that I think ties to what we talked about last time, because last time we started by talking about loving the journey and creating a life that we love and that we want, right? What came out of me listening to that episode and from other readings and stuff too is, well, what if you feel lost while you're on your journey? And I said that and you're like, wait, well, hold on, wait, write that down. <laughs> I did. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And so, yeah, I just thought it'd be a good place to start because we were talking about chasing our dreams and that's great. And I love that because I need, I need to get my mind in that more. But the reality is a lot of the times the work is what's the next step? Because I feel stuck. How do I go one step further than where I am right now? That's kind of where I'm coming to it from. But when I brought it up, what were you thinking? And after listening, like, what are you thinking about? I I was thinking sometimes when you're on your journey, we've talked about this, but you do start to feel stuck or lost. The picture that came into my head right away was Lilo and Stitch, where Stitch, he kind of goes and he leaves his family because he doesn't quite feel like things are quite right or he quite belongs. And he goes into the woods with his picture of his, his family. It's the Ugly goes, Duckling book, right? Oh, the Ugly Duckling book. Yeah. That's right. He's like, I'm lost. Yeah. I think we might have talked about this in like a, one of the lost episodes that have, oh, hasn't been released. I think this came up one time or maybe it was released, but yeah, yeah, that was like, that's so heartbreaking. It is. But it, it, that got me to ask you the question of, have you ever felt lost and not, not lost in the process? We talk a lot about our creative work and us getting stuck or not being able to start. And all of those things are valid and important, but have you ever been lost, physically lost? Right. And you said, oh, yeah. And I'm like, ooh. And I said, hold on. We'll, let, we'll, re- we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. So I'd like to hear what happened. So I was up with my dad and all my uncles and my grandpa. I was probably 14 and we're up hunting. And for some reason, they thought it was a great idea to let me go wander around the woods. How old were you? Like 14 or something. Hunting deer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was basically like I, I, knew, I knew which way I could go and hit a river. Or I would cross a road and this is like old, like logging woods and stuff. So there's like trails everywhere, but then also there's a bunch of woods and they're just like, oh yeah, just go, go in 20 yards and then kind of come back 20 yards and then go in 20. And of course you're a kid, you just kind of start meandering and maybe going a little too far. And, oh, imagine that all the trees look the same if you (laughs) get turned around. So I was lost in the woods. I had a compass, which we'll come back to because that's like one of like the metaphors that it's like, what, what, what's your compass, you know? And so I just started heading in the direction I knew at the time. Like it could have been north for all I know. I don't remember. Right. But remembering to make sure the compass wasn't by any metal, you know, like it's the thing they teach you in hunter safety. It's like, oh, make sure you don't put your compass by the barrel of the, or your bow, you yeah. know, if it's a compound bow or something. And uh, <laughs> I eventually found a road and then somebody stopped. I like flagged him down. I'm like, I'm lost. I, I would know how to get back to where 
I need to go if we just drive a little bit. And so got in a truck with some guy and he helped me get back to quote unquote camp. Wow. Yeah. Did your dad and uncles realize that you were lost or missing? Oh, no. Were they worried or they just... I don't think they knew. They wouldn't have known if I hadn't rolled up in a truck with some <laughs> other guy. And like, they were just, there was no fuss or anything about it. It was just kind of like, huh, that happened. Like, <laughs> no harm, no foul kind of thing. <laughs> I'd be freaking out. <laughs> so yeah, I've been lost. I'm sure I've been like turned around and lost like in cities and stuff, like before we had smartphones and GPS and all that too. But that you can almost always find your way. Cause there's signs and everything or pull over, but like, that's the one time like lost in the woods. That was a little like, Oh, this is real. Where, how am I going to get out of this? Oh Better start goodness. walking, I guess. Wow. That's, that sounds like it was possibly really scary. No, it, I mean, probably was, but yeah. I figured it out. So like I had a compass, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we've talked about kind of recently on here, but I didn't have a map to follow. But I had a compass to point me in the direction to go. And then we kind of like, that's like a metaphor for like, what's our inner compass? Like what helps guide us towards the horizon of say our, our art or our project, right? Like, how do we go about doing our work? Like, how do we show up as people? Like what's our inner compass that makes us show up as, you know, generous, honest, trusting, empathetic, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny though. You know, obviously I'm going to make a connection, but that's just kind of where my head went. And I, I kind of giggled to myself after I thought of that story. I'm like, oh, I, I had a physical compass and it's a, made a lot of sense. Like that metaphor that they use now of like, what's your guiding light? If you're feeling lost and not knowing what the next step is, it's like, well, what's, what's inside of you that tells you, you have to kind of choose something on the horizon and, and, mm-hmm. and allow that inner voice inside of you to help you choose and go towards that thing and give it a try. It's making me think back to last night when we were watching Stutz. Yeah. And also to the podcast, but Stutz in particular about, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It was the pyramid where it's taking care of your physical self, people or your relationships, and then yourself as far as really knowing your true self, what motivates you, journaling, meditating, all of those things. But at the base of that, it really is your physical health and well-being that helps you be able to tap in and shift your state. Right. I'm thinking about the times in my life when I have felt lost or felt stuck. I have found just recently, probably in the last three to four years, that exercise, meditation, journaling have been incredibly helpful for me to get out of that loop and feeling stuck, that basic need. And one thing Stutz talked about was that that physical care of yourself isn't necessarily just for looks, right? Like it actually definitely has an impact on your mental health and your ability to do the things you want to do. I don't think I made that connection until my 40s. If you're stuck in your head thinking about what you want, yeah. And not acting, not initializing. Action is movement, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you get this procrastination and hesitation. And when someone's like, take one step at a time, that's how you get to where you want to go. Well, if you never take the step, you're just stuck in yourself. You're stuck in, in your your head. And And if you get movement in, you're more likely to bump into people that might help you along the way kind of thing. I know he designs it kind of as a a pyramid, right? Right. But like, I don't think of it as pointing towards yourself at the top means you should focus on it. It means more of if you have this solid foundation and these practices that are underneath all of this, then that helps support you doing this higher level thinking and being able to like visualize more or, or reach for more and then be able to do more. Right. So, I mean, that that life force that he calls it mirrors somewhat Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in the podcast with Greg McEwen, they also talked about that Maslow actually at the end changed from the top being self-actualization to uh, self-transcendence. What I think is cool about that, it's not just about doing the things for you and for yourself, but it's really how can you take what it is that you yourself are doing and positively impact others around you and the world and making the change. Both of those things, life force, as well as 
this updated Maslow's hierarchy of need really, I don't want to say give us a roadmap, but kind of give us a little bit of, oh, what are those things called when you're out? Checkpoints or like trail markers? Yeah. I'm going with that analogy, but maybe give us those trail markers of, of things to pay attention. Yeah. So after hearing that part of the podcast, I had in my head this thing and I forgot to write it down until I saw somebody else post about almost the same thing. And I was like, oh, thank you for saying this because it's what I was thinking the other night and I forgot to come back to it. And it was how I tend to do more when say it's for you. Like if you want something done, I'll figure out a way to do it versus if it's for me, that's when the the procrastination tends to come out and the, Ooh, it might not be right. And it was just really interesting. And that kind of, that's what that self-transcendence kind of said is like, it's more for the unity with others and the connection and the community and the importance of that. I think it's really interesting to hear that because it, I feel a little sheepish about how fulfilling it is for me to be helpful to other people. And I feel like talking about it makes it sound like I'm like maybe a little conceited or like narcissistic even. Mm. And, but then to hear Greg McEwen and Tim Ferriss talking about something that's, oh, this is something that people really connect with in it. And like, oh, okay, <laughs> like that feels really good. Like, okay, I'm not as weird as I feel, you know, or no, how I'm made mean, to feel. Because narcissism, I mean, that's something to me that is the where you're doing something because you're going to benefit. I guess it feels helping other people and it feeling good could be a place to hide. It could prevent me from doing stuff myself. So you could take your time doing that instead of the projects you're interested in. Yeah. Or it's a, it's a way for it to be okay that I'm not doing my stuff because look at how helpful I'm being, you know, it's, it's an interesting (laughs) little juxtaposition there. I don't want to get caught in that, but I do like the emphasis on creating connection and making things better for a community. One of the things that I was thinking about, and you told me about it before you sent me the link, the idea of flights always being 90% off course. Something, yeah, something like that, yeah. That was fascinating to me because one, I had never heard that before. Two, it somewhat terrifies me. (laughs) I've been hearing it quite a bit. Have you? And then they brought it up again. And so it came to mind and I was like, oh, this is affirming to me of you don't have to feel like you have it all figured out. Set your set your sights on the horizon and go for it and correct along the way. Yeah, it's tweaks. Yeah. Right? It's um, revolution, in. not evolution. Oh, wait, evolution, not revolution. Okay. Reverse that. <laughs> Have you heard that before? No, tell me. Someone I worked with before used to say he was in favor of when change was happening to to do incremental change or have it be more evolution than revolution. So I interrupted kind of like you were talking about the plane. Yeah. The kind of the course corrections. Cause it makes a lot of sense. I have started to train for a 5k. I typically train outside, but doing it on the treadmill and I'm learning little by little how to do that. And today I I got done and I told you, I'm like, gosh, my insteps hurt. Like, okay, so here's something you could do. But I don't remember that when I was outside running. Mm. It's one of those. I guess if I decided, like, I feel like maybe I'm a little off course with training because my insteps hurt. But if I can just adjust slightly and then try that, and if that doesn't work, adjust slightly and try something else, eventually I'll figure it out. There's a book called Everything's Figure Outable. Mm-hmm. That concept. Just keep trying and adjusting slightly until you figure out how to move forward. Well, so, okay, that brings up another one of the Stutz things, because yeah. we, we just watched that last night. And he said, there's only three things that are certain, and that's pain, mm. uncertainty, and constant work. <laughs> yeah. And so that comes up with, your feet are sore. Well, yeah, they're going to be sore, because guess what you just did? You ran. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you did something wrong. It, it actually means you did something right, especially because it's one of your goals. It's one of the right. things that you're aiming for. Yeah. The biggest thing that sticks out to me when that came up was the uncertainty. And I'm like, oh, why? Why does that have to be something that's going to be certain? Why is uncertainty so certain? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'd rather do constant work. I can do constant work. I'll keep going. But oh, the uncertainty, I'm like, okay. It's like your kryptonite. Yeah. But it's something that I'm 
I'm slowly and surely getting more and more used to and realizing that it's not as scary as I once thought. And it's like that growing pains, right? Like you're, you're growing and there's, there's going to be this tension that's involved. And so did you have anything that stood out to you about that? With the sets, with the three things that are certain pain, uncertainty, and constant work, the constant work. Sometimes I think that someday I'll just arrive and have it all figured out. Everything will be exactly how I think it should be. There's a point where it's like, okay, this is going to be great. And so by the constant work, what I took from that wasn't necessarily work hard, do good work, show up, but it was more constant work on your thoughts, on where are you at? How are you feeling? How are you showing up? More the mental work of making sure to keep digging in and being for, there for yourself in a reflective way. So the journaling, the meditation, that's what I took from it. I thought that was, it was good. Did that feel daunting or did that feel like, oh, okay, that's going to be part of life? I think it felt a little daunting in that, like, I think, okay. So I think growing up when I was, I always thought that adults had it all figured out. Yeah. But adults don't have it all figured out. Oftentimes the adults that seem to (laughs) seem like they have it all figured out definitely don't have it figured out. The more sure you are though. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I've learned that more and more as you realize that having it a hundred percent right or accurate isn't necessarily the goal. Maybe I'm getting back into the journey. I can see how sometimes a wrong turn or a decision that didn't turn out the way you thought it would, or a relationship ends that you thought would always be there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I could see how that could really start to make you feel that uncertainty, feel a little shook and lost on kind of how you're, how you're going to move forward. I think what I'm saying is as you're on your journey and as you're growing, as you're learning more, not everything happens the way you think it's going to happen. And so if you try and control it too much, maybe that feeling lost hits harder. I don't know if that makes sense and why I'm thinking that. It's it's making me think of something else from Stutz. It's okay if I talk about it. Yeah. There was an example of showing up and being the person that puts the pearl on the string of pearls. It's a little bit like the idea of uh, small habits of showing up and I'm going to going to do this. Maybe not because I want to today, but because I'm the person that puts the pearl on the string. I think I, I looked at you and I'm like, that's people like us do things like this. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the movie, it's a movie, right? Documentary movie. Documentary. Documentary. They're talking about these pearls one by one going on the string. And then at the end, He says, and then every single pearl has a black dot and it's a turd in the pearl. Uh, Yeah, I would say (laughs) imperfection. (laughs) No, I know. But he said turd. (laughs) It made me giggle a little because it, right? It was that idea that. It's blunt, yeah. That it's an imperfection, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's one of those things where, you know, say I showed up today and I was planning a certain amount of time, but I only ran for three fourths of it right? That would be my imperfection on my pearl. And then Jonah Hill said that he sees it as a turd. I can't believe I'm saying this so much on the thing, but surrounded by a pearl. So it's more of that when something doesn't go the way you think it's going to be and is imperfect, that you find beauty and growth in that moment. And there's like a lesson in there right? or something beautiful in it. Yeah. I thought that symbolism was really great. And I don't know if you feel like this, but sometimes when I think about habits and just getting a habit and habit stacking and um, show up for 60 days and a habit will be made, things like that, it gets a little overwhelming. You're trying to show up, do good work, be consistent. I know you and I have, we both have a lot of stuff we want to get done and do to turn everything into a habit. There's a lot of pressure there sometimes. And I don't know exactly what I'm feeling right now, but I think I'm maybe feeling 
overwhelm? Maybe a little overwhelm. About, yeah. About? Overwhelm about the word habit. Okay. And I don't know why, because I love the idea of being the person that simply shows up and puts the pearl on the string. Going back to Mel Robbins' five-second rule, I'm not going to want to do it. I know my brain's going to try and talk me out of it, but I'm going to count down five, four, three, two, one, and do it anyway. Because sometimes we do things we don't want to do because we've committed to ourselves we're going to do it. They're reframes of the word habit, but they feel a little bit more, I feel like they acknowledge the flaws in me as a person and still give space to let me move forward. It makes me think of the the burden that we put on ourselves to do it right mm. and the way that a lot of these things that we're talking about, I see them as tools to help me shift my thinking. I do realize that no matter how hard I try in anything I do, there's going to be a blemish. It's not going to be perfect. The point isn't to create a pearl that has no imperfection. The point is to put that pearl on the string anyway, and then move on to the next one and the next one and keep moving towards that thing that I said I was going to do, that focus, and try it on for a while. And like we've talked about, each failure is a stepping stone to getting it right. And that takes a lot of me shifting my thinking of like what I was taught, which is don't fail, don't make a mistake. That's not safe. That's wrong. It's like, no, (laughs) if everything has an imperfection in it, if everything has a blemish, then why would I worry about it being not right? It always was and always will be not 100%. And in the face of that, I'm going to try as hard as I can to do great work, but it doesn't have to carry so much weight because I'm not doing brain surgery. I'm not building a spaceship. If I was, maybe. Mm -hmm. But then you have teams and you have lots of support and you have lots of system checks. So what are like the system checks and the protocols that we're going to put in place to make sure that we keep going towards the thing that we're aiming for? Picking something that you want, like allowing myself to say, I want to go and try to achieve success over here and not for me hiding from ambition, right? Because I see that as kind of ugly or feels kind of gross to me sometimes and realizing like, no, if I'm ambitious and I'm successful, I can do so much more good in the world and I can make things so much better. And so it's that flipping that and transitioning and shifting. He calls it plan X. Mm -hmm. Stephen Pressfield calls it resistance. Other people call it the lizard brain. It's all these things that try to keep you safe and the same and in comfort and realizing that there's going to be pain, uncertainty and work. And so it's like, okay, well, I better get to it then. That was a ramble. I feel like we're talking a lot about these things that like that we took in a bunch of stuff and we're kind of talking about what we heard. Yeah. But what do you do when you feel stuck, right? Or you feel lost? You did a a training run today or maybe the other night, like, did you feel kind of like resistant to it? Oh yeah. I didn't want to do it. And what got you to do it? (laughs) I said to myself that it's on the plan for today. I'm just going to do it. And that's that. I mean, I just, yeah, I just said, this is how it's going to be. So you planned for it. Yep. You held yourself accountable Mm -hmm. to stick to your plan. Yep. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward, but that doesn't mean that my brain wasn't screaming at me, telling me, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Did you do like the countdown from five to like- I didn't. Okay. I did that this morning to get up out of bed again. (laughs) I think one of the first things I did- because I was t- trying to talk myself out of it the whole drive home. So this is the one on Friday. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a Friday night. You've had a long week. You don't really want to do that. Wouldn't you rather just hang out with Keith and Puzzle? <laughs> and you're kind of hungry. So do you really want to go and do a training run when you're hungry? And you should have drank more water. So you might be a little hydrated. Dehydrated. Sorry. And so there's all these things that my head kept throwing up. You know, and so I was, I was definitely giving myself all the reasons to take an off ramp and be like, nope, I'm not doing this thing. And so I found one of the best things to do when I get home, go and get my workout clothes on 
And 95% of the time, if I get my workout clothes on, I'm going to get down on the treadmill or out on my run. I just am. I knew that was priority one because that's going to be the thing that signals to my brain, no, she's serious. She means business. I'm thinking of a time recently at a conference. I was in Las Vegas and I was lost. Can't remember if I told you this. I don't think so. (laughs) Probably not. Great. I decided I was going to go on a walk in the morning before the conference started. So I threw on my shoes. I got my workout clothes on, took off from my room, had my tunes playing, and it was really early. So I didn't quite feel like I should go and walk out on the strip or anything like that. And so I decided to walk inside between different casinos. And so I went from Paris to the Horseshoe to something else. And I was all over the place trying to just find a path that could keep me going that was in a smoke-filled room. So I was going kind of all over different casinos that were connected. And then I tried to trace my way back and I couldn't do it. (laughs) And so I went outside, tried to get my bearings, and I was able to find a bridge that crossed back over to where my hotel was. And as I was walking, there was somebody just sitting kind of by themselves in a corner They go, what are you doing out here? You know, and I just kind of kept walking because I'm scared. I don't know where I am really. I finally made it back to the hotel and it was just kind of this sense of relief, but it felt kind of like I was in a labyrinth or like I was in a maze and I didn't really trust. Once I realized like I wasn't quite sure where I was, could I have stopped and asked for directions? Probably. Would I have found my way back? Yeah. I wasn't terrified, but I was more like, hmm, where do I go from here? And trying to use my intuition to kind of figure it out. And you know how I do with directions, right? Not well. Not well. No. I think the reason I'm I'm talking about it is sometimes when you're on your journey, or I felt this, it can feel a little disorienting, even though you know where you're at. You have some urgency to find your way back to the right path. People are going to ask you what on earth you're doing, (laughs) right? Why are you at where you're at? What if you're the one asking, why am I where I'm at? Yeah, because it doesn't have to be someone else. Sometimes those voices of why are you where you're at can be really critical from external people or from yourself. I mean, sometimes we are our own worst critics, right? I think it makes us lose sight of where we're headed, having those doubts and those questions of why are you here? Why, why are you not over there? Or it takes you out of the vision that you had for that goal. I think it's slowly, it can slowly diminish it. It actually makes me think of like the slow corrosion, right? Like, so say Friday you came home and you're like, I'll run tomorrow. Mm. And then Saturday comes and you're like, I'm busy. I have this. I don't know if I have enough time. I'll do it tomorrow. And then all of a sudden it's been a week, two weeks, three weeks where this corrosion happens. And I was was thinking of this earlier actually. And I was like, well, how are we going to, what's the rust ease? Mm -hmm. What's the thing that's going to get the rust off of us Yeah. when that happens? What's that salve? What's that ointment? What, what are, you know, that's kind of what we're, we're getting at. And honestly, it's like you simply have to to decide. You make a decision that makes the next hundred decisions, which is for you, what we're talking about is your decision was I'm going to get movement in. I am a runner. And today, at least I'm going to go out on a walk and get some steps in and get some movement. And so you did that. You were, you made that decision Mm -hmm. however many years ago now. Yeah. And you've had some setbacks and you've had some wins too yeah absolutely and so to me it's like you decided that i'm a runner you called yourself a runner yeah i'm a runner yeah Mm -hmm. and that decision that made the decision friday where even though you had some voices in your head (laughs) that were saying well this and this and this and you're like you know what i'm gonna go put those clothes on because that's the next step in me getting onto the treadmill Mm Hmm. That's not a big effort, right? Right. But it is still a decision. And so I think that's what gets us to where we want to go. Those little decisions and 
pretty soon you're making bigger decisions like a 5k and a 10k. Right. You're not doing it for the metal. You're, you're doing it because people like you do that. And then this is just like a little keepsake of like a reminder of like, yeah, that's the kind of person I am. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really good for, for people to not put so much, such a, such a weight on your shoulders of a have to get there now or this or that. It's like, it just, you know, that, that little, a little decision can stop that voice of like, Mm -hmm. why are you here? It's like, well, because I'm on my way there and I'm here right now, but this next step is going to get me closer. When I was in college, I every once in a while decided that I was going to run. It was always coupled with this, you know, time to get fit quick thing and not with the long term goal in mind. So I I know I would be like, okay, today I'm going to go out on a one hour run. (laughs) Why would I do that? Right? Yeah, Yeah. There's so many reasons why that was not a good idea. And you can probably guess that. I probably put together one or two workout sessions in a month, something like that. I've learned from that. It's more important to put together 30, 60 pearls on a string of training runs than it is to put one or two large, huge pearls yeah. on a string with a whole bunch of empty space. If the goal is to make a string of pearls, make each pearl doable and go into it knowing that each of those pearls will have an imperfection. Each run, it may be amazing. It might be hard. I think today I told you, I'm like, oh, that was hard. (laughs) It was a hard one for me today. And that's okay. It was doable. Another thing that stuck out to me while I was listening to Greg McEwen on Tim Ferriss's podcast, he brought up and it has to do with being in the woods, right? Like you, if you're lost in the woods, you end up going in circles. Yeah. If you don't have your eye on the horizon and you don't have something to fix your eyes to, to help guide you. And that's kind of what we're talking about. I was like, what's that, what's that thing that we're going to say? Okay, I'm going to go for that. And that in itself can be feel hard of just saying, I want that. Saying that out loud, even if no right. one else is in the room can be hard or try writing it down on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. If you can't see where you're trying to go, you end up going in a circle, right? And the next part of that was, he said, there's a big difference between 20 years of experience and 20 years of redoing the same year over and over. Ah. And I was like, oh, yeah. I think I had a little taste of that in 2020, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. It felt real lost and real stuck and not a lot of forward momentum going it hit kind of hard, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And so hearing that made me kind of have a little bit like, oh yeah, th- that's another reason to take a leap and trying this. Okay, I'm going to go for this right now. Oh, that didn't work out. That's okay. It's a sunk cost, whatever. I'm done with that. I didn't like that. Now I'm going to set my sights over here. If that didn't work out, it's like, it's okay that th- these are all just pearls, right? Mm-hmm. On the string. They're going to get you closer and closer to somewhere that you're going to want to be. And you can always adjust as you're going, right? It's like course correction. So Right. I like that idea about 20 years of experience versus 20. Doing the same year over 20 times, I think is how he said it. And I was just like, ooh, yeah, that feels so heavy. To me, it evoked not putting yourself out there to say, okay, this, like say this year, like this year, my big goal is X. Not, not even deciding like, I'm going to, I'm going to set a goal for the year. I have a hard time doing that. Like me thinking of that, I'm like, I don't know what my goal is for the year. And so it's like, okay, I should probably think about that and set some, some goals, some things to aim at. Then I can break down and be like, okay, if I want that, I need to, you know, make a list of all these action plans, the strategic planning, these things that, you know, you know, that is new to me. I'm used to being told show up here do this and then go home at the end of the day, you know, (laughs) it's it's different. And so that's, I think what makes people feel stuck is when, if you're even able to say out loud, what your, your dream is that you want to chase, then it's like, okay, well now what, how, how do you, how do you take that next step kind of thing? You know, it, it, it can really mess with you. 
it's it's so i just i was i for for me that means i have to lean in and, and take a step and if it's the wrong step just take another one like you being lost in the in the because <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a maze yeah probably went the wrong way and had to backtrack a couple times or yeah. circle and eventually you're like okay maybe i'll try going outside yeah right get my bearings yeah i'm really interested in this idea still about the 20 years of experience versus the repeating the same year over and over and thinking of the movie Groundhog Day. What is the quote? Something about, was it the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? Mm-hmm. That's maybe a challenge of doing the same thing over and over again, year after year. If you're repeating the same year and you're in that maze, the casino maze or the woods going in a circle. How do you find a way to break out of that that can help you move forward so you're not hoping to get a different result, but continuing to spin doing the same thing? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah. I mean, for me, that switching the way I think helps me break that cycle because the way I think is what leads me to the way I'm acting. And so if I'm acting in the same way, that's not helping me change. I know I need to do something with the way I'm approaching what I'm trying to do. And that starts in my head, I think, for me. It's a lot of thinking more of uncertainty as possibility. And that can lead to better things, even though part of my head tells me that uncertainty tends to lead to bad things. Yeah. Just getting my reps in small little things where I take little risks, things that feel risky. Things that felt risky six months ago don't feel risky anymore. And so now I can take a little bigger step. And then from four months ago, I'm taking bigger steps still. And now I'm feeling the pressure or the tension of needing to take a little bigger leap with pushing towards doing something a little more to to make things happen. I've, I've been doing the same things for a while with the podcast or work in general that I, that I do around that it's time to stretch a little bit more because it's literally, if I keep doing the same thing, well, why, why would anything change? I'm not changing. I'm not doing anything different. Why would, why would anything else? Why would the outcome be any different? It's, and then for me, it's the same with my, with my health. I made a, a pretty drastic change in the new year and then halfway through January also with my nutrition Yeah, and I'm getting results. Because I changed what I'm doing. It works for your body. It works for your mind. Yeah. Do you feel those, the changes you've made, are they, um, because it feels like you found something that is working for you? Well, I tried, I finally tried it. I tried the thing. The thing that's working for me is getting a lot of protein, getting fiber, and limiting some things. I'm not prescribing anybody anything. This is what's working for me right now. And I could have been, probably could have been doing it eight, nine months ago. I was resistant to it. I'm like, I don't know if I'm really going to like eating that way. I don't know if I can do that. I finally made the choice. I made the decision. I'm going to try this. And it, it, it was tricky for two days. Mm-hmm. And now it's fairly automatic. And I get a little bored with the way I'm eating, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but this is also a plan where I'm okay with it being boring 95% of the time. It's the same as any anything. If you're not willing to try something different, you're probably going to stay stuck. I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're getting, you don't need to change if you're getting the results you want. I wasn't getting the results yeah. I wanted, so it was, was time for ask, change. Did you feel stuck? Yeah. I hadn't. I hadn't made any meaningful change in the goals that I was seeking to hit in a year. I mean, I a lot of work was done, but I wanted to see results in different metrics. Yeah. And we made some adjustments and imagine that. It 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 worked. A shift. A shift <laughs> to go from where I was to where I wanted to be worked. <laughs> <laughs> chat about is the importance of separating out work and tasks that take up your time versus 
the important pieces. There's been a lot of synergy in some of the things I've been listening to and reading. So from Stutz to uh, the Tim Ferriss podcast to Mel Robbins book, but really thinking about and challenging the concept of how are you spending your time? Are you clearing out time in your day to do the things that are truly important to you? Are you spending time with the people who are truly important to you? Are you taking care of yourself? I found that to be a really important thing for me to always be reminded of. At my core, I work, work, work. Lots of plates in the air, balls in the air, whatever analogy. I don't know. But I've been thinking a lot about that. I was talking with someone and they used the analogy, we really need to clear out the static in the conversation so we could see what was the true core thing that was important. Get rid of the noise. So Get the rid sig- of the noise. So the signal comes through. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. It was for a work thing, but I've taken that. And as I've been in, in you know, listening to these different things from, um, everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> thank you, everywhere. It's made me think too, of what are those things that are the static in my life? I know one thing I said to you today, you were kind of hanging out by me when I was stretching after my run. And like, I just need to take, put a, put some vacation days on the calendar and actually take them. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, well, do that then. Yeah. <laughs> and I often do let the noise or the static take over. There's always something that's going to be important to someone that you should be spending time on. There's always going to be things that are demanding of your time that you may not have introduced into your life intentionally. And some of those things do need your attention, but there's a lot of those things that if you never got to them, it would be okay. And that's the concept I've been reflecting on is how do I clear out that static so I can prioritize the things that truly matter to me, spending time with my family, spending time with my parents, your parents, right? Making time for running, for being outside, making food that makes me feel good, things like that. So I've had this kind of, I don't want to say resurgence, but it's that tension I always attend to is how much can I get done versus how much do I need to fulfill and be a whole person? (laughs) That was something that came out loud and clear in all the things that I've been consuming lately. I think if I don't attend to those, I'm more likely to get lost in the hamster wheel and just keep going, going, going in a circle. The priorities is a big thing. And that's really why I like Greg McEwen and why when I saw he was on Tim Ferriss, I'm like, okay, I have to listen to this because I need like a little injection of, of, of him in my life. I think it was towards the beginning of that episode. I think Tim Ferriss, he re- relayed like, oh, so yeah, what you're saying is, you know, what should our priorities be, which is essentialism, right? So Tim says, it's not so much what is essential, but who. Mm-hmm. And you just listed off a bunch of who's. And even when it came to running and food, like that's you. You're the who. Yeah. That's the essential thing right. that that's providing for. And so I think that's, that really stands out to me. And that's a, something that energizes me is the people I spend time with and the connections that are made through that. And so that has to be one of my priorities is putting energy into those, those spaces. Yeah. Do you ever find that even though we are also one of the who's (laughs) to take care of, that it's the first person you're willing to let down? Yeah. No, I'm aware of it. Oh gosh. Doesn't mean I've solved for that. No, I haven't either, but it's, I mean, I said it earlier, it's like, I'm more likely to do something because you want it done than something I want done. Right. Frowning over here. I'm like, no. That's a good thing. You're an initiator. <laughs> it can be a I good am. thing. <laughs> We've talked a lot about what it feels like to be lost, how to potentially get back on track, what things um, 
we should attend to potentially to get out of that rut mm-hmm. and to find our way. What do you think is one of the most important things that you do when you feel stuck or you feel lost? Mm, the biggest thing I'm, I've realized recently is acknowledging that I'm maybe feeling depleted or if I feel lost or stuck, I'm usually feeling like down. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know. You know, there, uh, there's a reason I'm not moving forward is because I don't know which way to go kind of thing. And that's usually because I have like low energy or self doubt, those types of resistance that keep me where I'm at, keep me stuck. So the way I raise my awareness of that is I just, I kind of need to reflect and be in tune with how I'm feeling. So part of the biggest part of that is I think doing my morning writing and part of that has now included like, how am I feeling when I wake up? Do I feel sore? Do I feel tired? Am I well? So just checking in with myself. And so it's like these little reflections daily, um, as well as just talking with you. It, it really, it really helps having discussions with you or other people and friends. And those are the types of things that energize me. Um, so if I'm in a depleted state, I figure out how do I shift towards doing something that fills me with energy versus something that's going to drain me of energy. And a lot, you know, to bring it kind of back around a lot of times that means go for a walk, shovel some snow in the winter. Like that helps <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that. Yeah. And some, some form of activity has really helped. I mean, and that's probably another thing, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, I go do some training slowly increasing that to be other days of the week too but those tend to be like my heavier days i mean it's kind of funny but like yeah if i if i pay attention to how i'm feeling physically it helps me know how i'm feeling mentally <laughs> and then if i can course correct it helps me <laughs> move forward i didn't script that either that's funny that that came out <laughs> <laughs> yeah how, how about you if I feel lost. Yeah. Or like you're not making progress or stuck, right? It's kind of, those are all kind of similar things. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think the most important thing I can do is to carve out some space for myself. So if that means journaling or taking a day off and spending some time digging into deep work, getting a whiteboard, I love a whiteboard where I can just get everything out of my head. And so I think, I think that helps me get everything out there. Was it maybe two weeks ago? I was starting to feel overwhelmed and maybe a little lost at work as far as what do I do first? There's just, the list is long. The responsibility is high. Everything's a priority. Yep. And the, what happens if you fail is, is not good. It's, you know, it's not good. And so I put on my whiteboard really that Covey. <laughs> I know we talked about the Covey two by two matrix of importance and um, priority and then thought, okay, what's in what bucket? And then I use that. How do I make more time by getting the things that are going to create more time if I do them first? Mm. And so it's taking the time and space to anchor myself. Maybe that's a good way to say it. Trying to anchor myself in the present with either a two by two matrix or some journaling or conversations with a thought partner. You and I talk a lot. I have some good colleagues and friends that I talk with, an executive coach. I have a, a whole little village around me that helps me work through some of those things when I need to shake something loose and get back on track. Me personally though, because that's work, right? I think personally, is to do a lot of the things that you talked about. It's about getting outside. It's about activity. It's about reflection, journaling. And I would say spending time with those around me that I love. Taking that time to unplug and not constantly be fixated on on what Pearl is next makes more room and energy to do that work. 
that's something too, we're just being really intentional about unplugging connection with others, making space for myself and my own reflection needs is important. Cool. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. So a couple other things as we wrap up here that energize me are books and music and watching a show or two with you every now and then. Yeah. So to wrap up with recommendations, I'm going to suggest people check out the podcast, The Tim Ferriss Show, specifically number 719 with Greg McEwen, the one that we reference a lot today. Uh, It's a good listen. They're out on a walk and talk too. And so talk about getting movement and moving your body. That was in tune with what we're talking about too. And then we watched the documentary Stutz the other night. I really highly recommend them. They're really good. There's some really good tools in Stutz and, and in the podcast. What about you, Laura? What have you been digging into? The first recommendation I have is based on a family movie night that we had over the last week for Child 2's birthday. It was his pick. We watched Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope from 1977. And so I'm a little proud of that. That was pretty awesome. The second thing that I've started reading, which I'm really enjoying, is a novel called Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld. It's kind of, um, I won't tell you anything. I don't want to do spoilers, but I do enjoy it. So I'll put that out in the world too. Cool. Anything else? I don't think so. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love you. I love you. All right. You ready? Don't spill. (laughs) I don't want to edit so much. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) You can just cut this all, though. I know. What? I know I'm a nerd. We're going to have some merch that says that on it or something. What? I love a whiteboard. I do. (laughs) Do love a whiteboard.